0: Hey everybody welcome to today's Take Heart. I want to talk about how to have confidence in our relationship with Jesus even when we are struggling and even when we feel like we're not doing a good job of being a Christian or we are not doing a good job of being a human being. And um, really the key to this is to discover again who he is and when we really know him as, as he is, as he's shown to us in the Bible, as he truly is, when we see him for 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 who he truly is, the natural overflow of that is that we're at peace around him and we're confident in his presence, not because we're doing great, but just because we know how good he is. What lots of us tend to do is, and I'm a classic for this one, is we tend to project some of our stuff, some of our issues, onto Jesus. And because we function in relationships in a particular way, we can assume that he does the same thing we do. So because many of us find it hard to forgive, we're quite reluctant um, to forgive, I know I am, we can think that Jesus is reluctant to forgive. Because we're willing to help people out to a point, um, and there's a very much a limit on how much we'll help and serve and prefer people, we can think Jesus is like that. So he'll serve, but he has his limits, and oftentimes we feel like we've gone past those limits. And here's a big one, because we tend to be as a society attracted to people who it's like they've they've got their lives sorted. It seems like anyway, they're they're very wealthy or they're beautiful or, you know, they're successful, they're famous. We can we can tend to be drawn to people like that. People have already got millions of followers on Instagram. And uh, in the same way, we can be repulsed by people who have made terrible life choices and they're in a mess and it's of their own making or we you know certain things we just find like oh disgusting we we pushed away from certain types of people because we as a society function like that we do it as a culture and we do it as individuals we think Jesus is like that too that he's drawn to people who've got it all together but if somebody's struggling then he's not interested he's disappointed he despises them And really the only antidote to to projecting, I think, our mess onto him is to read what the Bible tells us about him. And when we do that, it becomes really obvious that he's not like that at all. So one of my favourite moments in Jesus's ministry is right at the start. In Luke chapter four, he stands up in a synagogue and he reads from the prophet Isaiah. And really, this is the firing gun going off on his ministry. It's like him announcing what his manifesto is. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I am here for. And he says this, um, Luke chapter four, verse 17. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That's what he's here to do. And just look at the goodness of those things. Good news to the poor, freedom for prisoners, sight for the blind, setting free of the oppressed, proclaiming the Lord's favour, which is just basically the grace of God for everybody, announcing that that is what's happening. Think of the goodness of that. That's his mission. But do you know what hit me? just between the eyes the other day, I'd never really thought about this. It's not just that that's his mission. It's not just that that's what he's here to do. It's that that's what he longs to do. That's what he wants to do. That isn't just his mission, it's his desire. And understanding not just Jesus's actions, but the heart behind the actions, the heart of Jesus, is the key to really, I think, knowing him. Think about it like this. Imagine um mike you know announced i don't know on take heart the next take Heart he does i am going to cook this is a statement of what i'm going to be doing in the next week i'm going to cook just huge quantities of sumptuous greek food i'm going to be cooking lamb i'm going to be cooking macaroni i'm going to be cooking whatever else you know i'm going to cook all this incredible greek food we know i think most of us now that if mike were to say this is what i intend to do that that would also be, in that particular instance, what he longs to do. That would be what would bring Mike to cook massive amounts of Greek food and to eat lots of it himself, but also give it to other people and see them enjoy it. That would be something that would bring deep satisfaction to the very core of Mike, because it's right there in his heart. He wants to do that. Jesus is making a statement, not just about what he's been sent to do and is going to do, but about what he longs to do. And another little moment that gives us a a glimpse into his heart is in Matthew chapter 8. There's a guy with leprosy who comes to Jesus and he says to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus's response is, I am willing, be clean. He doesn't just say, be clean and heal the guy, he says, I am willing. Just those three words are worth just meditating on. The word for willing is desire. So the leper says to him, if you desire it, you can heal me. And Jesus says to him, I do desire it. It is my deepest desire to set you free from that which binds you. And time and again, we see that this compassion is what drives his actions. Um, It compels him. It's almost like he can't help himself. So compassion is what we're told causes him to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Compassion is what makes him feed the crowd at the feeding of the 5,000. Compassion is what causes him to teach the people, to, to proclaim good news to the poor. It's compassion that compels him when he sees a widow who's who's lost her son, her only son, to say, do not weep and to raise him from the dead. And when Jesus weeps, and he's only recorded as crying twice in the Gospels, both times it's not for himself that he's crying, it's for others. It's his heart is broken for other people's suffering. So it's the tomb of Lazarus where he sees Mary, Martha and the rest of the funeral. And on the edges of Jerusalem, where he understands what's going to happen to the city, that his tears fall. So you see, as you just read the stories, for me, it's just like, oh, my word, how have I missed how obvious this is for so long? His heart is towards the struggling. It's, it's not away from them. It's, he's not repulsed by people's need and by people's issues and by people's incurable and in that culture, unclean diseases. It's not repulsed even by people's sin. Although sin, he hates it and it sent him to the cross. Sinful people do not repulse him. He is drawn to them. This is his heart. This is what he's like. He's not like me. He's, he's not like you. He's like he is... In the Bible. That's what Jesus is like. And so seeing that afresh, do you know what that means for me? Uh, And I think it would mean the same for any of us, is that we can sit in his presence, confident in his love, even though we are struggling. You know, the, the more we struggle, the more confident in a bizarre way we can be that. We're okay in his presence. We're told in the scripture that this is the name his enemies gave him. They called him the friend of sinners, as if that was an insult. And it was an insult to him, but he wore it as a badge of honour. My, my, my qualification for being in his presence is, do I fit that description? And my answer is yes. And that doesn't mean I just get relaxed about sin, but it does mean I can be confident that he loves me, that he's my friend. We don't need to get our lives together, get it sorted and then come to him. We come to him just as we are and especially we come to him just as we are when we're struggling and we're finding things hard and we are low functioning and we're losing our temper and we're getting stressed with everybody and we're really not being very good Christian in our understanding of whatever that means at all. That's when we come just as we are to the friend of sinners and to the one who has compassion on the broken. And we can be at peace in his presence. Here's the other thing that I'll finish with. It's a joy to him to help us. It's a total joy. That's how good he is. Think about it like imagine you saw people on TV who, who were who were starving. And you were so moved by what they were going through that you sold everything you had. And you got on a plane and you flew to the location. And you bought aid and you had it delivered there. Food aid and and then when you turned up with all the help and all the aid, they were, they were suspicious of you and they didn't come close initially. And then imagine one of them in their desperation came and they asked you for help. What would ignite in you in that moment had you gone through all of that to help them? Joy, probably. That's the very reason I've come. That's why I've sacrificed everything to get here with this to help you. Please take the help. It's a joy to me to give it to you that's that's what ignites in Jesus we're told when a single sinner repents there is a party in heaven there's joy oh my word you've finally come for the help that I so long to give you when we come to him weak broken with tears ashamed just when we just come desperate knowing we need help and knowing we have nothing to offer we receive his his blessing and it's a joy to us but astonishingly it's an even greater joy to him to help us. If you're struggling, Jesus is understanding and he's the only person I think we can can be around to this extent where we can have total confidence in his love. God bless you.